Hello everyone, how are you? I'm really excited to come to part two of our creation series. My name is Pastor Rod Plummer. I live in Tokyo, Japan, and uh, we love being pastors of Lifehouse Churches. And I want to bring this teaching about creation, about uh, Genesis chapter one and the beginning of chapter two. I love I love this part of scripture. I've always been a believer in uh, the God of nature. Even though I wasn't a believer till I was 19, I always believed there was a God who created, and that God must be amazing. And I found that God when I was 19. His name is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I want to talk to you today as we start the beginning of looking at Genesis 1 verse 1. We are starting at the beginning. We're starting at the very beginning. And today we're not going to get very far because there's so much we need to talk about in just Genesis chapter 1 verses 1 and two. So I'd like to pray. Let's pray right now. And uh, I, f- I pray our, our Father God, our, our Lord Jesus, our Holy Spirit, as we come to talk about creation, we come to talk about uh, the power of your creative ability, that we Christians, we believers in Jesus, would be lifted, encouraged, and these, these areas would be clear in our minds that we serve a wonderful God and we can share our, um, our, our testimony of your greatness, your great creation, with confidence. We'll be confident believers in Christ, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're just going to look straight in the scriptures. It just says simply, uh, one of the most famous Bible verses, Genesis 1 verse 1, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What a great start to our study. And we're going to look at each one of these words because this first little uh, scripture is packed, loaded, full of values and, and, and wonderful things for us to discover. But just before I launch in, I want to tell you the quick outline of Genesis 1 to 2 verse 4. Genesis 1, 1 to Genesis 2, 4. It's just two parts. The first part is in the beginning. The second part is seven days of creation, actually six days of creation and one day of Sabbath rest for God. So what we're going to do right now is look at the first two verses and we're going to be amazed how much important stuff is in these two verses. So verse one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is really important. It's like a wider sweeping statement of any literature, of any book in the history of the world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Is a huge canvas. It's a huge painting. It's a huge statement. It's 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 it's. In fact, I, I would ask you to memorize it in your language. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's such an easy one to remember. It's so easy, um, and it goes in line with the with the very first verse of John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Speaking about Jesus, and so those two bookends, Genesis one one and John one one, fit together so beautifully. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But I'd like you to think about memorizing Genesis 1.1. Maybe you already have, but it's so important that we just simply say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we're going to go to little parts of this verse. We're going to pull it apart, what the Bible calls exegesis. It's a big word. It's just pulling out the truth of a verse. Um, and so the first part is in the beginning. The, the Hebrew is Bereshit. Um, it's sort of one word, but it's two words put together. The is in or at, 
and Rashit is the beginning stage or the best stage. When we look at this little phrase, Bereshit, and in fact, in the Hebrew Bible, the, the book of Genesis is called the book of Bereshit. It's so important to the Jewish believers, this one word, Bereshit or Reshit, in the beginning, that the whole book is named after that little uh, phrase. Um, Dr. John Collins calls this this part the, the, the action prior to another big action, the seven days of creation. This is huge action. Um, it's, it's actually really a lot of information before we get to the first day. Some of you want to get to the first day of creation, but this is so important that we have to pull it apart. So what is Bereshit? In your notes, what is Bereshit or what is the Rashid? The Rashid is the beginning part of time. The Rashid is used in the Old Testament of the beginning of a king's reign or the beginning of some time. Uh, in Proverbs, it talks about the beginning of wisdom or the first part of wisdom. So this Reshit does appear many, many times in the Old Testament as the beginning point, the starting point, the first point or the highest point. Very, very interesting word indeed. It means um, another uh, usage is the when, when rivers go backwards and go back into one little stream and then one source, well, that source is the Reshit. It's like everything comes from this. So everything in the Bible comes from the fact that God created the heavens and the earth, this this Rashid, this beginning moment of time. Now, uh, point number two, Rashid uses this uh, is used in various ways. It might surprise you. It's used of first fruits. So when they brought in the harvest and the the first and the best apples, the first and the best uh, bananas or whatever they were, that was the Rashid. That was the first fruits. Um, it could be used in that sense of the first blessing uh, of the year. It was a yearly harvest and the first wine, the, the new wine was the receipt, the, the first fruits. It's also used of the best food, the very, very best you can bring. The best oil, the best bread and the best meat is the reshit, the, the again, first fruit, the, the offering up to God. The very first thing that we do is we, we bring this um, food to God. The firstborn is another one, the, the, the firstborn. Now, in today's world, to be firstborn in a family is not as important as it was in the Old Testament. I know here in Japan and other countries, firstborn still has some big significance. In Australia, Maybe not so, but in the Bible, the firstborn had, had, had double blessing, double inheritance. The firstborn was the receipt of the family, the, 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 the future of the family. Rashid is also used um, for the, uh, the beginning of, of blossoms or blooms or fruit of the trees, the rashid, the, the coming out in the season. And finally, um, it's used of a king's reign, a king's um, uh, beginning of, of how they become a king. And so that first part is actually unknown how long. It's not one day. It's not a day. It's not a week. It could be up to year or years. So the concept of Rashid, when it says in the beginning, you need to know it could be one day or it could be a very, very long time. So I want to talk about that point three, and I want to quote from Dr. Salhammer. I'll be quoting from some wonderful Bible scholars in my studies that I've been researching, some, some modern Christian uh, scientists and 
uh, linguists of the Hebrew um, Bible. And uh, I want to uh, share this testimony or this 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 um, quote where he says Rashid could be anything, could be could be any amount of time. Listen to what he says. There is no way to limit the duration of the word beginning or Rashid. It could refer to a billion years or to a few thousand years or to a brief uh, time as, as, as brief as a few months or a few days. The whole point of using Rashid when other terms were readily available to the Hebrews um, is to leave the, the, the duration of time unspecified. In other words, a big question mark. I think this is brilliant. And, and I know Christians through the years have argued on the age of the earth, but it seems that what Dr. Salhammer is saying is God intentionally put a question mark on it. In other words, he wants us to ask the question, how long? He wants to talk about that. He wants us to get involved and engaged in the whole question of how old is the creation of the world. He just says one last thing. It leaves the duration an open question. In other words, what do you think? What do you think? Have a think about it. In the Rashid section of, of, of time, in the Rashid, God created the heavens and the earth. Could be days. Could God do it? I'm sure he could, yes. Uh, or could it have taken billions of years? It could have. If God was, was, was fine-tuning and doing amazing things, it could have taken a very, very long period of time. Now, please understand, we are not talking about evolution. We are talking about creation. But God in the Rashid created the heavens and this planet Earth. Pretty amazing first verse of the Bible. Now, as I said before, the Rashid could have been a section of time um, in, in a person's life. A Rashid in, in Jeremiah 28 verse 1 talks about King uh, Zedekiah. It says in the fifth month of the same year, the fourth year, early in the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, early in the Rashid. That's the same word, early in the Rashid. There was this period of time. It wasn't a day. It, it, was, a, it was a period of time called the Rashid or the beginning moments of his kingship, of his reign. And I think I just want to clarify here. In the beginning, better shit is an amazing way to start the Bible. God wants, has got our attention in that Reshit part. God creates the heavens and the earth. Now, when we get to verse 2, we'll understand it's not finished. It's not ready for man and woman, but that's for verse 2. I just want to say there's this Rashid period where it could be anything. Now, this means the age of the earth could be thousands, millions, billions of years old, and it fits with the Bible word Rashid. They could have used a different word for a specific period, but Rashid is just the, the beginning time. I know I'm saying it over and over, but I really want you listening to understand, let's not argue about the age of the earth. We just don't no, and God has put a question mark intentionally. Why? That we would be asked the questions. We would get engaged in the story. I want to come now to the part of, of verse 1 where it says, In the beginning, God. Now, this word God is the word Elohim in the Hebrew. We are going to talk some Hebrew today, okay? I maybe won't talk so much Hebrew in the, in the coming lessons, but 
I need to establish a few very, very important things from the Hebrew language. The word God, Elohim, is, is an amazing word. It's, it's a word that was used in the Hebrews' days. Some other people used the same word. It wasn't just the Hebrews or the Jews. It was a word of majesty God, power God. The, the concept really behind it is power. The God of armies, the God of power, the God who has great, great glory and power, Elohim. Now, this word Elohim, in the beginning, God, uh, this word is used many times in the Old Testament. In fact, it's used 2,750 times, over almost 3,000 times this word Elohim, God, 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 is used in the Old Testament. It, it's, it's a wonderful word. Now, the funny thing or the strange thing about this word is it's called a plural noun. Wow. This is some 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 deep stuff right now. What it means is it's God is so powerful a single word can't contain the power. If it was a single word it would not be Elohim, it would be Elohah or El. Now this is linguistics, but it's really important that you understand that the original word El is used right through the Middle East for the Canaanites and the Akkadians and the Assyrians. And, and many people use the word El. It's, it's the word for God in the Old Testament times. It's a bit like today, the word God in English for many English-speaking people, the word Dios in Spanish for many Spanish-speaking people. Here in Japan, it's, he is called Kamisama or Kami. And, um, and, and that word is used right through Japan, whether people are believers or not. It's just the word. And in China, it's Shin. Uh, there's Shanti and other ones in China. But the picture of, of Elohim or El is that it was used right through the known world. It wasn't the special name for the Hebrews for God. That's another name. We're going to come to that um, in our study, maybe study four or something like that. We'll talk about that other name. It's Yahweh. Okay, it's a it's a word that the Jews don't like to use, but I am not a Jewish person, so I can use that word. Um, but the word Elohim, you can see, is very different than Yahweh, and and sometimes they put it together as um, Elohim Yahweh or Yahweh Elohim, I think it is. And so the the Jewish people increase the concept of God. But right here at the beginning, this verse relates to every person on the planet. It will relate to Japanese people that don't know God or don't know Jesus. We can say in the beginning, Kamisama created the heavens and the earth. In China, you could say in the beginning, Shin made all the earth or in Spanish, Dios uh, or in English, God. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a common word with a powerful meaning. Let me say it again, a common word, which means everybody used it, but it was a powerful, powerful meaning. And I love the fact that we're using this term right at the beginning, in the beginning, in, in the Rishit, the beginning side, God, if a Japanese, go, oh, Kamisama, he is the creator of the heavens and the oil of the earth. And we would say, that's right. How cool is that, that you can understand that concept? So I want to say now, I want to move now, in the beginning, God created. I want to talk about the word created. Because once again, in Genesis 1 and 2, the Hebrew word is very important. As I said, I'm going to talk about some Hebrew words. Now, in Genesis 1 and 2, there are actually three different words for create. Isn't that amazing? 
three different words. One word is the one in Genesis 1 verse 1. It's the word butter. You can say that word easily, butter. It just means to create out of nothing. It means there's nothing and now there's something. It can also mean nothing and now I'm filling out something. There's nothing and now I'm creating it and it's filling. It's getting bigger and bigger. This is the word. In the beginning, better shit, God, Elohim, butter, out of nothing, boom, created the heavens and the earth. He created the heavens and planet earth in the Rashid period of time. How cool is God? So these three words, um, in your notes, you're going to have the, 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 the more, the, the texts, you're going to find these, um, these words. Um, but the, just briefly, the, the number one is butter, found in verse one. Uh, there's a second word, asa, which is first found in chapter 1, verse 7, which means to create or to do, to perform. Uh, human beings can do that as well. And the third one is yatsar, which means to mold like a potter. And that's when God created and molded Adam uh, out of dust. We're going to come to that later. But you need to know that one word is not big enough to contain the creation. Creation needs different words to explain it. I love that because once again, as a non-Christian, I love the uh, I love the ocean. I, I loved um, the concept of of the beauty of the waves and the sand and the I loved and and now as then as a Christian, I I appreciated the person that created that and and there's three words. It's really amazing. Listen to this. The word butter, the first word in the beginning God created, in the Bible is only 50 times. Just 50 times used in the entire Bible. It's a word that only Elohim can do. The other word, asa, we can do things. I can make a breakfast. I can make a team. I can make a plan. And so can God. God can do all of those things. The word asa is the word to make or, or create. But we humans can also, not, not the creative power of God, please don't misunderstand me. But the word itself is not as special as the word butter. Butter is a God only word. How amazing is that? In the beginning, Elohim, butter, out of nothing, created and filled the heavens and the earth. That's pretty amazing. I love it. Now, I want to also say that uh, part four of my notes is in the beginning, it, if we move that to another language, the language of the New Testament, the language of Greek, um, the Old Testament is called the Septuagint in the Greek or the LXX. Sorry, it's historic. It just means 70 in Roman letters. The 70 people translating Hebrew Bible to Greek Bible, which is the Bible that Jesus read, because he quotes from the Greek Old Testament. Wow, this is confusing, but I hope you stay with me. So when Jesus quotes Old Testament scriptures, he uses Greek. He uses the Greek Old Testament. Now, the Greek word in the beginning, better shit, is en arche. Arche sounds really uh, Middle Eastern, doesn't it, as well? It's Greek, en arche. In English, we get the word archaeology. From that word means the beginning studies, archaeology, the beginning, in the beginning, en arche. Now, in Genesis 1-1 Greek, it's 
en arche. John chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the word en arche. And so we see these bookends. Once again, Genesis 1, John 1, book ending, Old Testament understanding, New Testament revelation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Enarche, in the beginning. John chapter 1, which is Greek, Enarche, that was the Logos. Book ends, the concepts, Old Testament, New Testament, have a unity of thought and pattern. Now, this is really important because Jesus quotes Genesis 1 1. Jesus quotes Genesis 1.1 and 1.27 together in Matthew 19, verse 4. In Matthew 19.4, Jesus has asked, Jesus, what do you do about divorce? His answer is actually about marriage. I love that about Jesus. He doesn't often um, bring up that controversial subject, but he wants to say something. And what Jesus wants to say is, in the beginning, there's the word, in the beginning, in our care, he used the same Greek, God created them male and female. Now, that's something we're going to come to, not today, maybe tomorrow or, or the next time. Um, the concept of Jesus put in the beginning, God created male and female. He put those two together in one sentence. And then he also quotes from Genesis chapter 2 about leaving your father and mother and becoming a new family when you're married. It's amazing. Jesus quotes Genesis 1.1, Genesis 1.27, and um, the third one is, is chapter 2 later on. We're going to come to that. Um, but I just want you to know that Jesus does quote Genesis 1.1. He quotes it. Isn't that amazing? And he quotes Genesis 1.27, God created them male and female. Now, I love this because I love doing weddings. I've done I don't know how many hundred weddings I've done in my time. It'd be many. Um, I've always loved weddings and I love my own wedding, of course, and, and love doing weddings. And, and I always love quoting from, from Matthew 19, 4, where Jesus says, have you not read at the beginning, God created them male and female. I love that because um, it, 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 it's God's plan for marriage. And it also quotes way back in the first verse of the Bible in the beginning. So Jesus, what he's doing is he's quoting it and he's giving it his authority. Jesus quotes Genesis 1 verse 1. How amazing is that? And John also it mirrors the quotation of uh, Genesis 1 verse 1. So I want to come to the end of verse 1. Genesis 1 verse 1. This is part 5. God created what? He created the heavens and the earth. Now there are some important things to bring out here as we come into our study because those words change meaning. They're going to change meaning in Genesis 1 and 2. Now this is a reflection of a very powerful language. It's like English. If I use a, a word, um, uh, the word before I was talking about the word make, I make something. Could be uh, I make it from a, a recipe or I make it from my mind or plan. So the word make in English has many, many possibilities. So does the Hebrew. So it does. And so this causes some confusion, but also some wonderful understanding when God created the heavens and the earth. So in Hebrew, God created, and then there's a little word, et, which means pointing to. God didn't create every single thing. He doesn't create evil, or he doesn't create 
Um, bad situations, they will happen because of other reasons. But God creates pointer, the heavens and the earth. God creates pointer. It's it's like a uh, the, the plow of an ox that used to plow the soil. It's a big arrow. It's like God created. What did God create? The heavens and the earth. What did God create? The heavens and the earth. God is the creator. This might seem very basic, but I want to get this through to you how important this first verse is. Now, the the next word is God created the heavens. The Hebrew word shamayim means the, the, um, it could mean anything, outer space, inner space, atmosphere. God created the, the air and space. God created the whole unit. But there's times in the future in Genesis 1 where God talks about the sky Uh, And that's not talking about outer space. So when God created the heavens, think outer space and earth's atmosphere. God created. The last word is the word land. It's one of the most important words in the whole Bible because of the the Hebrews, the Jewish people, talk about the land over and over and over and over. It's the word eretz. You don't have to know that, but that word appears in so many different ways. So God created the heavens and the earth means planet earth, but it also means the earth that I can see. But in some parts of the Bible, it doesn't mean planet earth. It means the land. So the land of Israel is also called Eretz, the Eretz of Israel, the the land that God gives us. The inheritance is Eretz. So you can see this word Eretz changes meaning so we've got to understand that. And um, for example, Genesis 18.25, this is where it's the whole planet. Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you, will not the judge of all the earth do right? God is the, the judge of all the earth, planet earth. That's Eretz. But listen to this. In Genesis 15.18, God's speaking to Abraham about the land of Israel. He says, on the day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said, to your descendants, I will give this Eretz, this land from the Wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates. And so we see land is not just planet Earth. Land in the Bible can be a continent. It can be a country. It can be what I can see with my eyes to the horizon. So God created the heavens and the earth. But these words are used in many different ways. It's pretty amazing. I love that. And I, lo- I love language. And I love the fact that we can investigate. What did God do? And I hope you're enjoying this with me right now. We are finishing verse one right now. And we're going to start verse two. God created, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now let's listen to what it says, verse two, because it's a word and joins it. And the earth was formless and desolate. Now, this is really important because as we come to the days of creation, days one, two, three, four, five, six, rest, we're going to discover that God already has an earth, but now he is fine tuning the earth for man and woman to live on. So, verse two tells us God created the earth, but it's not ready. It's not yet ready. It's not in a state ready, but there's going to be some more creation days. And that's why, again, Rashid, that first part. We don't know how old the earth is. We don't know how old the... the. It's really exciting. We don't need to know. But it explains every geological or or earth um, question of the, the center of the earth. And, the, and, 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 and God created it, but then God started to fine-tune it. I hope you're staying with me here. Verse 1, God created, but it wasn't ready for man. Verse 2, 
it explains the problem. All right. So it says the earth was formless and desolate. I'm reading from the good news version, which I really love. My wife got saved with the English good news version, very simple version. And I love all versions of the Bible. People ask me, which version do you do you like? And my answer is the one I like to read. I hope that's your answer too. The earth was formless and desolate. The raging ocean that covered everything was engulfed in total darkness and the Spirit of God was moving over the water. I'm going to read it again, but I'm going to read it to you in the Message Bible. The Message Bible just pulls it apart a little bit more in English. Now, the earth was a soup of nothingness. Wow, that's pretty dramatic language, isn't it? A soup, a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. Wow, this is like the this is like a, a movie, um, uh, like a like a um, I don't know a, a crazy world movie, like uh, you know, uh, it's just it's just not very nice, right? Um, and God's spirit brooded like a dove above the watery abyss or the watery stuff. I want to tell you that at this point, the earth was created, but it was not ready. It was created, but it was a mess. A mess because God is a mess. No, God was not finished. And it's a bit like our lives, right? We're a bit of a mess, but God's not finished. Don't worry. Let God recreate more things in our lives. But I love the fact that it's very honest. God created it, but it wasn't yet ready. All right. So, these words in, in, in the Hebrew language, um, which we just read there, the earth formless and desolate, in Hebrew is a poem. It's tohu vabohu. I'm going to say it again. Tohu vabohu. I can't say it right, I'm sure, in Hebrew. Sorry about that. Tohu vabohu. You can hear the rhyme. You can hear that that's a pattern. Now, what it's saying is that it's, it's in a state of not, not ready. Not ready. Now, these words are used in the Old Testament. The word tohu means basically formless. It's a mess. It's, it's not together yet. It was used of the children of Israel coming out of the desert, out of wilderness, out of a wilderness. Now, there are different words for wilderness. But in um, Deuteronomy 32.10, it says, In a desert land he found him in a barren and howling waste. That's the word Tohu. It's it. The wind was there. The the water. The well, maybe not in the water in the desert, but the the wind and the sand and the they're in a messy place. They're coming into, into the promised land, but they're not there yet. It says God shielded them and protected them. He guarded them as the apple of His eye. So this word tohu represents desert where really you can't live. It's uninhabited and you can't live there. This is like Genesis 1 verse 2. There's another example of this in Jeremiah chapter 4. This, this word, this word uh, tohu, vabohu, both of them it is used in, in this scripture. I looked at the earth and it was formless and empty and at the heavens and their light was gone. Uh, so this word is used again in, 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 a, in another poetic sense of something that's just a mess. It's not ready. It's desolate. Okay, so what we're going to read in verse 3 is the beginning of the ordering and the purpose, purposing of the earth. Chapter, chapter 1 verse 3 is not today, but it's coming very soon in the next one. We're going to get excited by that because all of a sudden 
Genesis 1-3, God said, and it starts going boom, boom, boom. And in these wonderful six days of creation, we're ready for man and woman. Okay, but just before I finish, the word bohu, the second word, tohu, the word bohu means empty, um, unfilled, unordered, no purpose, purposeless. Why is the earth purposeless in chapter 1 verse 2? Because man and woman are not there yet. That's God's purpose for the earth, is for you and me to inhabit and love the world that God created. Okay, so the Bible says it's tohu vabohu. God created, but it's not ready yet. We're not able to, to use it. L- listen to what Dr. John Walton says about that moment. He says, the earth and the universe were not functional and not yet filled. The six days of creation that follow changed all that from chaos and dysfunction to beauty and function, ready for man and woman. Have you got it? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but it's not yet ready. It's beautiful, but it's not yet the plan. It's not yet ready for you and me, for man and woman to live on the earth. The last part of the verse before I finish, it says, and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters was hovering over this unformed earth or the earth was formed with the unformed atmosphere ready for man this word spirit of god appears so many times thousands of times it's the it's the hebrew word ruach now when that's spoken by israeli people it's actually way back in the throat it's like ruach ruach and what it's supposed to be is sounding like wind and the huach of God is is hovering over this messy place and it's getting ready uh, he's getting ready the spirit of God is hovering he's moving and I want to encourage you where there's a mess God can move where there's a mess the Holy Spirit can move on our lives and I love that as a pastor that I can look at people's messy lives maybe my messy life at certain times in the past and say, God is able. God is able to take this mess and and create a miracle. I want to encourage you, if you're hearing this and you think, does God still do this? Does the Spirit of God still move? The answer is yes, He does. Yes, He does. God moves. And and this word moving is rapid movement, like uh, like a bird. And, And so the Spirit of God is a wonderful word used over and over like an eagle fluttering over the young. Let's look at this word used in one other place in Deuteronomy 32 verse 11. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young eagles, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft. Like a like a big eagle, beautiful. You know that sound, it's in a lot of movies and stuff. The, the eagle, he calls over and, and hovers over the young eagles. This is the same word as the Holy Spirit hovering over this earth that's not ready. I love this. I love this. You know, God loves to work with any person, any situation that will say, help, help me. And God starts to hover and move. I believe our prayers are like that. When we pray, it creates an atmosphere of God moving in our life. When we forgive, it creates an atmosphere of God moving in our life. When we release and love, it creates an atmosphere where God is going to move. I I love obeying God. In fact, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. And I love that, that God says, really, uh, obedience 
is part of love, and then God can move. And I just want to encourage you to to be a Christian that says, God is able. What should I do, Lord? What should I do? Not not works, not having to work to God, but saying, God, what 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 do I do? What what would you say to me? We call it journaling or or hearing the voice of God and then writing down what God would say to me and then do that. And God is hovering over His word, over His promise. Um, it's an amazing thing. Now, this concept of hovering is in the New Testament. Believe it or not, it's when Jesus got baptized in water and he came up and it says the Spirit of God descended like a dove. And I was surprised to find that is recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It was so significant that all four Gospel writers tell this story. We're going to read Matthew, um, Jesus' baptism. Matthew 3, verse 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Now, the Holy Spirit is not a dove and he's not an eagle. It's imagery, poetry. But the movement was like a bird coming down and resting on Jesus. In Mark 1, 10. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending like a dove. Luke 3.22, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. Actually describes, it wasn't just a, a vision, there was something really, really coming from heaven and falling upon Jesus. The movement of the Holy Spirit was so strong. Uh, and a voice from heaven said, you are my son whom I love with you, I'm well pleased. I love that when the Holy Spirit moves, we're probably going to hear those words too from the Holy Spirit, right? We're going to hear, even though we're not Jesus, but we are sons and daughters of the living God. And he wants to say to us the same. He wants to say to us, I love you. I'm pleased with you. I'm with you. And, and that movement of the Holy Spirit is going to bring new life in our lives. So I just want to clarify this moving of the Spirit, what it means to me and us right now. Here's, here's the lesson. I think it's really important. Um, I believe it means an imminent or soon moving of God's Spirit. And it means that when God's Spirit's moving, something beautiful and creative is going to happen in our lives, in our situation, in our marriage, in our church. Um, I'm believing for the moving of the Holy Spirit. And I can see it on people's lives sometimes. I know it in my own heart sometimes. I'm, sometimes I'm preaching and I start to mess the words up. I think this is God not messing up the words of, of God, but just sort of, I just sense a moving or, or I'm in a situation with someone, I just sense a prophetic word, a, a moving on my heart and uh, it's always good and it will always bring a good result. Hey, by the way, prophetic word in 1 uh, Corinthians 14 verse 3 says, New Testament prophetic word is for um, uh, building up encouragement and bringing comfort to the weak. Isn't that amazing that the movement of prophecy is to bring order and function and purpose and blessing. And so even though the world was not yet ready, God was moving because that's what God does. And so I'm going to finish right now. I'm going to pray for us for these things. So I want to summarize. In the beginning, in the beginning period, we don't know how long it was, God, Elohim, created out of nothing, incredible creation. Only God has that word butter. Only God can create out of nothing. It's an amazing word. In the beginning, God created, boom, the heavens, wow, and this planet earth. And the earth was not yet ready for man. It was tohu 
v'bohur. Remember that? It, it was, it was, it was uh, in a messy place, but wait, wait, God is moving. Holy Spirit is moving. He's fluttering. He's moving. And there's soon going to be day one, the beginning of the forming of the earth ready for man. I'm so excited by that. I, I think it's such a wonderful thing that we can really know that um, that God is moving in incredible ways. Let me pray. Lord, thank you. You are the creator, Elohim, a powerful, powerful, powerful God, able to create out of nothing. And I pray for us as Christians, we'll know the truth that in the beginning period, you created the heavens and the earth. It wasn't yet ready, but it was it was getting there. And Lord, you are the creator of, of our life, of our world, of our marriage, uh, of our uh, of our earth of this one life that we have. You are the creator and we give you honor. You are Elohim, the creator, the, the God of Japan and China and the, the nations, the, the lands of the world and the, and the Jewish people and the non-Jewish people. You are the creator. You are the God and we give you praise. And I pray, Lord, you'd be moving like the Holy Spirit moves in our lives, in our marriage, in our church. And Lord, as we start to come to see you ordering the earth will know how much you love us so much. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.